Welcome to We Love Lucy. I'm Allison Wirma. Corinne Eckhart. I'm Molly Lyons. Okay, so this episode is called Lucy Thinks Ricky is Trying to Murder Her. It aired on November 5th, 1951. And fun fact, it was actually the first episode they recorded, not the one that aired as the pilot. Due to issues in post, they aired it second instead of first. Yeah, you can't fix everything in post, folks. So this was the first one filmed. So when they when they shot this one this was when they first like finally decided on what the name of the show was going to be there were a lot of different working titles and he apparently said he's like i want it to be i love lucy because technically i get top billing because i'm the i that loves lucy oh my god (laughs) even a show about a woman has to be about how she is related to a man but he does love her. But he so does. I give, him, like, I give him a pass. That's pretty aspirational. I don't want to be all cranky. That's awesome. I, I'm sure it was hard for Desi having a possibly more famous wife. I mean, who knows? Definitely more famous. Seems like they had a different fan base, but she was more well-known than he was. Mm-hmm. We have a quick little synopsis from the I Love Lucy and Ricky Wiki. After reading... <laughs> so cute. I'm so sorry. Wiki Wikar. <laughs> Wiki Wakanda. Wiki Wakanda. I love it. They're trailblazers. (laughs) After reading a murder mystery and listening to Ethel's fortune telling, Lucy concludes that Ricky is trying to do away with her. I still think that's a quaint way to say murder. (laughs) Do away with. Dark times lie ahead, guys. Dark times. There's some real heavy undercurrents (laughs) for this episode. Something interesting about this one, because we know it was the first one filmed, we've talked, we talked in our, our earlier history episode about how they invented the three camera setup with the show, but for this first one, it was actually four cameras, because they thought that the studio audience would get bored if there were, had to be breaks for them to change costumes, and if you watch, Lucy actually has all of her costumes on at the same time in layers, and so she could just rip them off and go from scene to scene. What? It's like a theater show. They tried to put on a theater show by filming it and then eventually just solved the issue of the audience having to wait around by having Desi's orchestra play during the breaks when people had to change. That's so cool. So this episode opens with Lucy at home and we find out that it's very late at night, 2 a.m. even. She's still awake. She's 2 a.m. and he calls me because I'm still awake. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> well, she's still awake and she's reading a book called The Mockingbird Murder Mystery. So then we get this close-up shot of her nightstand. And I thought it was just supposed to be funny that she had crackers and cheese on her nightstand. And I didn't realize that they were setting it up for her cold cream and her cheddar cheese to be in similar containers so that she eventually goes for crackers and cold cream. But... I mean, snaps for cold cream. I mean, we've all got our nightly rituals. Yeah. Kiehl's avocado eye cream. Oh, so good. Kiehl's, call us. (laughs) Give me products. Yet another way in which I know we're soulmates, me and Lucy. Lucy just sitting in her bed eating cheese. Yes. Well, the other thing that they presented at the top of the episode wasn't relevant to the plot at all. He was like, yeah, they've extended my show at the Tropicana. Like, at this rate, I'll be working forever. And, like, they loved me. Like, that was the whole bit. And then it had nothing to do with anything. Is that the B story? (laughs) Well, that's the thing is, I mean, in these, in, like, I Love Lucy, there's no such thing as, like, an A story, B story, C story, which is interesting. I wonder if that's something that maybe will come up later. Right. But I feel like probably not. No, it was always just like, what what hijinks is Lucy getting up to now? Yeah. And everyone else's a reaction to her story. 
That's how I live my life. I am the A, B, and C story. Did you notice her pajama set? I noticed his pajama set. Um, we'll get to that dad bod shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate. Oh, what about her pajamas? They're just a, they were adorable, and I want them. Because I don't. When I go to bed, I'm wearing like an old T-shirt from college, maybe high school. I have a couple like favorite ones from high school that I still wear, and I'm wearing shorts. Like, should we bring back the matching set? Or do ladies do that? And I'm just not at that level. I would like to do that, but I wear what you wear. Confession time, I do that. <laughs> like satin pajamas? I, they're mostly cotton, but I, for a while back, I just got so fed up with just wearing mismatched shorts and a t-shirt to bed that I was like, I want to also look cute in bed. And then I went on like a rampage and bought like six pajama sets and I rotate through them. That's pretty aspirational. I think it was partially inspired by Zoe Deschanel on New Girl. Mm. Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, I've heard of that show. <laughs> yes. New Girl? New Girl. <laughs> well, I, I thought her pajamas were like bigger and baggier than his were. Yes. They were both sort of like a vintage pajama cut set i just thought his were so funny because they were like so high cut <laughs> like very high-waisted pajama like why did they like and they and didn't they all wear suspenders then too like your pants are already up to your wait when he comes in to take Topless. no no before oh. that when he... <laughs> when he comes in from work and he's got the poster with him and he starts undressing when he takes off his tuxedo jacket he was wearing white suspenders and they like blended in perfectly mm-hmm. Is that why they would wear white suspenders? Maybe so if your jacket like flapped open, you wouldn't right. also see the suspense. But it's like the clear bra strap trend from when we were young. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh but I think they look, not the suspenders, the bra straps look very tacky. Oh, they now. do. I don't think anyone thought they look good, but I definitely wore them. <laughs> but yes, you're right. So he starts undressing and then he goes in the closet. But when he comes out, he just... He has his shirt and it's open. And then it stays like that for the whole scene. He, like, gets distracted while buttoning. But also, like, he had kind of a flabby stomach and I was into it. It wasn't toned. Did anyone work out back then, though? He certainly is not afraid of his chest hair. No. So manscaping did not exist. At least not for Desi Arnaz. And honestly, I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh, he, he seemed very comfortable. It was just so funny with his shirt open and the high-waisted pants. Like, that's not a laugh that they built into the show, but it got one from me. Yeah. It is very intimate how we were talking about how we're in their bedrooms and they're changing for bed. It's so intimate that he would just be in his pajamas, but like bare-chested while he's talking to his real-life wife before bed. It's it's very much a glimpse. Well, I feel like we need to touch on the iconic bedroom situation on the show because they have them in two twin beds just like next to each other. Yeah, but they share a headboard, right? Yeah, so it's like this arbitrary notion where it's like, do they have separate bed linens? I think they do. They must. It makes their bed look ginormous. It looks bigger than a king because it's two twins. Are two twins bigger than a king? It's a California king. I mean, it looks... I think these two twins are bigger than a king. Ideal situation. Two king-sized beds (laughs) for me and my husband. And then we push them together or separate them, depending on how I'm feeling. I appreciate my own space. And then it'll be one ginormous bed, which is awesome. Sometimes you need to sleep like a starfish. You mean every night. (laughs) Because I I do. I mean, yes. (laughs) 
So they're in bed and her book's outside and she says, someone someone should get the book. Oh yeah, because he startled her and she, she threw, threw the book out the window. Yes. If I had a nickel for every time that happened to me, <laughs> I would be a rich, rich woman. I mean, I've stopped reading near open windows because it's just so often. <laughs> Allison, you live on the first floor. <laughs> it's so easier for me to pick it up. <laughs> or someone from the street just like hands it back to I just me. wanted full disclosure for everyone <laughs> wow. listening. Any peeping toms. But then he's like, who should it be? And she says, Oh, the one that's the biggest and the strongest. Okay. Go ahead. Which I think is so cute. cute. He's even managing to compliment her and get out of work. I respect that. And then he tells her like how he would murder someone, right? Yeah. It was kind of weird. And I was like, are they role playing? Well, the other thing I noticed about that whole bit when um, they're talking about, she's like, I can't sleep until I know who the murderer was. I, like, Oh, yeah. Was it this person or was it that person? He's like, it was probably the husband. Yes. She's like, why would the husband? Like, he has no motive. And he's like, well, he's married, isn't he? Ugh. It does kind of negate his previous compliment about her being the biggest and the strongest when he's like, oh, but marriage is a drag. <laughs> Like I would, I would kill someone because they were my wife, and that's a like a murderable offense. So he's a musician and an artist, and like, I guess has an active imagination. So then he reenacts this whole thing for Lucy, and she buys into it because I mean, obviously Lucy's gullible; it's going to be a theme. But do you think she's like right to be frightened based on his just like? seemingly joking around he did seem to be really into imagining a lot of different ways to kill someone and like the pros and cons like it was strange that he had already weighed the options so thoroughly guys we're the way we're talking about this i was like are we we were watching a comedy right because it doesn't sound like it was a comedy (laughs) guys was she right to be concerned um was she right i actually wrote down has ricky thought about murder before Yes, <laughs> because it seemed like he I had. Mean, it's like a, this is how I would do it. Not that I've ever thought about this before. It's a comedy, but it asks the tough questions. <laughs> so then Ethel stops by in the morning, and she's learned how to be a fortune teller, which is crazy. So Ethel shows up, and she has her tarot cards, and she's using a regular deck of cards. Oh yeah, because she's talking about the Ace of Spades, because that's I think the one she said that signifies death. Interesting theory. Maybe Ethel's a witch. Because there is a seance episode that comes up. Oh, that's right. I was thinking maybe Ethel has doesn't have enough to do. That's what I was thinking. I was like, she like went down to the learning annex and was like, what are they teaching today? Because she's seemingly putting in a lot of time and just uh, a fantasy. I think she's trying to stay out of Fred's way. But yeah, so then Lucy automatically assumes like, oh yeah, I must be like marked for death and it's Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> There's nobody else in my life. Well, Ethel tries to be a good friend at first. She's like, no, 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 not these cards, not these cards. Which like, I would, no, I wouldn't hope you guys would do that for me. I'd hope you'd tell me the cold hard truth. If I ever get knowledge of you, your imminent death, I will let you know. From cards or other sources. So Lucy goes into the living room and, uh, Ricky's on the phone, and yeah. that conversation is bad timing. He's talking to his agent. Jerry. Who I love is like, it's your agent, don't you remember? I know. <laughs> Just some exposition I had to get out of the way. I feel like the rep- like the depiction of agents on television and movies 
between this time period and now has not changed at all. Yeah, that's 100% true. Like, always making calls on in suits, like, like tr- kind of trying to get their clients' jobs, but, like, maybe not caring that much or being that good at their jobs. Ari Gold is, like, the only difference, and it's still just, like, a person yelling in a telephone. The agent is pitching him a, an, an act with dogs. Or... Is that, is that something that we included in nightclub acts? Did Ricky pitch the project and the agent's just providing the dogs? Oh, maybe. He was pretty stoked on it. Who was agent? or Ricky. Ricky. He was like, great. But more importantly, guys, I found a video called Epic Dog Conga. (laughs) And it's a chain of dogs doing the conga behind another dog riding a trike and steering also. Life doesn't get much better for party animals. We'll tweet this out for all of you. But but yeah, so what, what ends up happening is he's like, great, I found you a bunch of dogs. But, oh, bad news, you can't afford the dogs and that woman who sings in your band. So we got to get rid of her. At one point, they were just referring to her as girl singer, which I was not wild about. Yeah, we'll get a new one. Get a new girl singer. I think, I feel like they just had to make the language so ambiguous that it yeah. it would make Lucy think that they were talking about her. So they yeah. had to kind of like shoehorn in some awkward she phrasing. She had a name, though. She had a name at the top, and then they were like... The agent was like, A girl singer isn't the most important thing in the world. I did enjoy the joke where all of the dogs are have like have very fancy lady names, like Alice and Mary and Cynthia. And then Theodore. So the Theodore joke seemed to me like a Friends joke. Like I could have seen that on an episode of Friends. Yeah! I think now it's probably a little bit in bad taste to yeah. imply that that's insane, that Theodore would be an option as like a romantic replacement for lucy but it didn't feel like even we were hearing those jokes through the 90s it's even a joke in chicago in the musical chicago but he was always trying to find himself he'd go out every night looking for himself and on the way he found ruth gladys rosemary and irving so i don't know it's like this very formulaic thing but that's pretty saucy for them in 1951 to be making an implication that men love each other Yes. And then during the conversation on Lucy's side, she's listening to this and he's saying the same face every night. I mean, it gets boring. And she immediately starts touching her face. And for a moment, I was like, that's a a real leap, Lucy, that you – I mean, it, it it's sort of like wrapped up in her own little world that she definitely assumed he was talking about her. Mm-hmm. But then also to begin to worry about it, I was like, girl – you got nothing to worry about. Girl, have you seen yourself? Yeah, also, her her skin is incredible. She's 40 years old and she looks better than I ever have. In terms of her skin, at least. Maybe I would look really good in black and white. So he's got a gun, which... Oh, that's right. Who takes props home? Am I right? We end up finding out that it's like a goofy gun, but it looked stupid. Like, it looked like it was made of wood. But then... He slams the door. She thinks it's a shot. She clutches her back, which (laughs) nothing has happened. (laughs) She decided that's where he shot her, and she collapses onto the couch. It was very funny physical comedy. Kind of insane. Mm -hmm. At certain points, she's very performative for the audience, and it Mm -hmm. makes the show better, but it it sort of transcends reality. Not only was she being crazy, but... He, like, just closed the door. Mm-hmm. And, like, wasn't, like, that loud. And Ethel comes and she's like, what was that? And it's like, that was a person exiting an apartment. <laughs> like, Again. Why is she freaking out? Paper-thin walls. I feel like we talked about it. Mm-hmm. They probably know everything going on upstairs and downstairs. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So <laughs> then they're they're trying to figure it out. And, and Lucy takes a blotter paper he used on the note and then reads it in the mirror, which is, I mean, just genius. <laughs> 
<laughs> she is so smart. She should be a detective. Yes. And then she puts on a bulletproof vest made of pants. Mm-hmm. Inventive. Which also, yeah. Garbage can. Just using what's around, trying to stay safe. Resourceful. Also, the moving target thing. It's like, did she like get trained with the SWAT team? Like, she like is thinking about it. That was amazing. One of my favorite things about like when she and Ethel are trying to figure out what to do is she was just like, I gotta talk to him and make like make him change his mind. That's her. She's like, I still love him, like Stockholm syndrome. Oh yes. <laughs> or maybe that's like what true love is. Tweeted us if that's true. I don't know. <laughs> so then he comes home and Ethel's like, gotta go. And she's like, you gotta stay with me. And Ethel's like, no, I don't want to see you riddled with bullets. What a terrible friend. Listen, <laughs> there's a place in hell for women who don't support other with women. <laughs> Ethel. Ethel was not practicing shine theory. Shout not. out to our friends at Call Your Girlfriend. Tweeted us. Retweeted you. And Fred comes in once Lucy's locked herself in the in the bedroom and he... The most appalling thing about Fred is that he's wearing a polka dot tie tucked into his high-waisted pants. Isn't that, is that the most horrifying thing about Fred? That's what I'm choosing to focus on. <laughs> to toss it. Oh because what he, what he recommends to Ricky in this episode is so upsetting, and it's just completely not even made a thing of. But so Ricky's like, oh, no, my wife is very upset, and I don't understand what's happening. What do I do? I have to go to work. And he's like, just give her drugs. Like he does to Ethel all the time. Exactly. He goes, slip her a Mickey. And I was like, what the fuck is a Mickey? Not the mouse variety. Certainly. Um, it's apparently a drink laced with a drug, especially chloral hydrate to give in, to give to someone without their knowledge in order to incapacitate them. So a so roofie. A roofie. Oh, my God, it's a roofie. Pretty much, yes. A 1950s roofie. All right. Well, things that would not have appeared on TV today. Oh yeah, and like also, it's like very chill. Fred's like, I do this all the time. He pulled like he has one on his person, right? Ricky struggles with it for a minute. You can see it on his face, and then he's like, ultimately, maybe this will help. Which, not great. Yeah. It's a little bit like just following others' leads. Think for yourself, Ricky. He's like, I really gotta go to work, so I guess we'll drug my wife. That sounds like a good plan. And also, the thing that Fred said that I thought was strange was like, I'll check in on her while she's passed out. And I was like, I'm not sure I want you to do that. No, thanks, Fred. But thank you. Thanks, but no thanks. I I do want to go back to when Fred first enters and uh, Ricky says, my wife's acting crazy. And Fred goes, crazy for Lucy or crazy for ordinary people? They're setting up from the get-go that, like, Lucy does not behave in a way that's typical. I thought it was, like, a call to the audience, like... Remember all the other times Lucy has done something that's a little out of the ordinary. Instead, they actually thought this was going to be the first episode aired. So it means that Fred was kind of explaining to the audience that Lucy is crazy. I don't think that's how the show treats her in the future. I think they treat her as she is like a woman and energetic and smart and funny and I don't think they treat her like she's crazy but apparently that was the first thing they wanted the audience to know about her but is crazy the right word should we continue to use crazy see I don't like it as like a in the in the world we live in I don't like it but yeah she's kind of out there like she's quirky and off the wall and but yeah no they do all call her crazy constantly Mm -hmm. gaslighting Maybe it's a, like, deserved or undeserved moment. In this moment, it's certainly deserved because 
she's gone off all of this incorrect information and made no attempt to actually get to the bottom of anything. Well, I think it's funny, though, because she does... The the only rational thing she says, really, is, like, I need to talk to him. Because mm-hmm. if she actually sat down and had a conversation with her husband, they would figure out, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no. And even after, when she's locking herself in the bathroom and Fred comes in, Ricky admits he's like, I think my wife thinks I'm trying to kill her. Yeah. And then Fred says... But instead of saying, honey, I'm definitely not trying to kill you, he's like, oh, I'll give her a sedative. Yeah. And yeah, Fred goes, every married woman thinks her husband wants to kill her. And she's usually right. This is a lesson for all of us. If you think someone's trying to murder you, just talk about it instead. We should all ask questions we need answers to. (laughs) Detective emoji. (laughs) So Lucy sees him drug the drink and Lucy's plan is to distract him with dancing so she can swap the glasses. And he knew what she was doing the whole time. Then he switches them by saying there's a spider. And then she said, I switched the glasses. And he was like, I know you did. Which makes me wonder how often is she trying to trick him that he's already learned all of her moves? I like that they are constantly outwitting each other. Like, you don't need someone who is smart objectively. You just need someone as smart as you so that it's a constant struggle to one-up each other. That's fun. Yeah, they're very compatible. They are goals. That's what you want is someone who's going to match you and challenge you, right? Exactly. And accept you for all of your uh, quote-unquote craziness. I feel like the glass-switching thing has kind of become a trope in TV and movies. The Princess Bride. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of as The Princess Bride. I didn't see this, but I am reading off of a wiki facts that Ricky actually ends up with the dosed glass. The continuity is wrong because they don't get the right glass. Yeah, I think we're supposed to think she got drugged and maybe it was just like a prop fail. I love Lucy. Continuity error. We're keeping a list starting now. Lucy gets drugged and Ethel comes in to find her in her last dying breaths. It's a little Romeo and Juliet, the last moments. She goes, I got a Mickey from Ricky. (laughs) She she does something that's like, even in the context of the episode, they're like, this is insane. Uh, But she shows up at his work thinking she's armed. Like she thinks she just came to her husband's job with a gun. And she's like ready to, to rumble. And then it gets resolved very quickly where it's like, okay, yeah, shoot me. It's a fake gun. And she's like, oh, man, I'm so silly. (laughs) Before it does get resolved, though, she pulls the gun on him and he disarms her immediately. I mean, it is an argument for why good guys with guns don't work. Not to get too political, guys. I just thought it was was bold to have her just decide to take a gun to a public place. I, I just think, think like, about the dogs. <laughs> I think on this, their first outing, you do have to sort of suspend reality a bit because a, a lot of it seemed on a level that is one step further than they typically live in an I Love Lucy episode. Although, I mean, the last one is a little heightened too, you know, with believing that these people, like not recognizing your wives and these right. new women. Right. I'm interested to see if there is this continued kind of heightened reality within all the episodes or if it gets becomes a little bit more normal. And I kind of wonder if that has to do with like the theater background involved with all of this, like that they're, they're like, okay, we're going to do a living room farce where it's just completely absurd And once they realize that television audiences don't need something so broad, maybe they evolve with that in mind. Because, yeah, none of us have ever watched these in in order, so it'll be interesting to see if that develops at all. 
Yeah, and it's maybe also just, too, we're thinking about it this way because, as we've discussed before, TV has become too much like real life. You know, this just seems heightened in comparison. It is supposed to entertain, after all. Yes, comedy operates in its own little set of rules. Because I, I feel like there's this big sort of debate now about entertainment and TV, about whether or not we go to watch movies or TV in order to see something we recognize or to have an escape. And... It feels like right now these are more of an escape where it's like set in a world they recognize, but with behavior that's like not at all. So the final scene, Lucy gets scared again and the book goes out the window and then she pulls it back on a string. Girl learns her lesson. Like her only victory in this whole thing is that she like figured out how to like not lose her book all the time. So as a wrap up, let's just overall decide whether or not we can condone Ricky's behavior in this episode drugging his wife, but also putting up with some insane hijinks. Well, listen, nothing calls for roofies. Nothing calls for roofies. I'm going to chalk that up to being Fred's terrible influence. I think that's more on Fred than it is Ricky. Like, Ricky's a nice guy. He's looking to his buddy for help. Truthfully, I think this was the first PSA slash after school special about why you don't listen to peer pressure. That's what I think this was. Yeah. Don't roofie girls. Don't. don't roofie wifeys. <laughs> don't roofie wifeys. <laughs> Hashtag don't roofie wifeys. I will say the episode doesn't exactly take a strong position on the anti-roofie stance. It sort of meanders out and just kind of gets wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow when no one's like, hey, maybe don't drug me next time. Yeah, well, she asked him, she's like, did you put a Mickey in my drink? Right? He goes, certainly. Like, of <laughs> course I did. Why wouldn't I? Because I'm looking out for you and I love you. So definitely wouldn't be on TV today. If, if it were being made today, it would be one of those half-hour comedies that's just really dark and not a comedy. Like, there yeah. aren't any jokes. A comedy in theory. And it would be, like on Amazon or like on like a prestige network and it would be about like a woman who's a paranoid schizophrenic and he's like trying to force her to take her meds. See, we're going to pitch this. I'm pitching this around. Studio execs, if you're interested, contact Molly (laughs) for the paranoid schizophrenic version of I Love Lucy. (laughs) I'm just saying reboots are big right now. That would be such a interesting direction. Who would play Lucy in a modern Lucy? about a paranoid schizophrenic. I want to be very specific. Isla Fisher. Emma Stone. We're just picking redheads and naming them. You are just picking redheads. I think Isla Fisher could pull it off, certainly. Yeah. I mean, Claire Danes does paranoid pretty well. That would be too dark, though. I think this wraps it up for We Love Lucy. See you guys next week. We'll be discussing episode number five, available on Hulu and Amazon. It's called Quiz Show. Um, you can follow us on social media at We Love Lucy Pod on Twitter. At We Love Lucy Podcast on Instagram. Or at We Love Lucy Podcast on Facebook. Or email us at We Love Lucy Pod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time, Lucy's. Hey.